everybody, baby. Let's welcome back the crew today, Tyra Hood, Sports Radio 94 WIP, Tanner Go Martin, WHIP, Max Gretzola here, all three of us back joining you today. Touch on Eagles and Carson Wentz gone. We don't want to harp on that too long, but we also want to touch on Jalen Hurts and possibly being the future quarterback here, the Eagles, and see uh, who, what we think should the, the Eagles should do with that first uh, pick in the first round, or excuse me, the sixth overall pick. And then dive into the Sixers. We all know they need another player in order to compete with the top teams in the Eastern Conference. So we'll talk about trade packages, just you know, recap what they've done in the past week up until now. And lastly, dive into the Philadelphia Phillies. Spring training has started up. We'll see uh, you know, who can step up this spring, produce solid numbers. Can we have a bounce back year and try to dive and make the playoffs in, in down the stretch, hopefully towards the end of the season. But guys, let's touch on the, the, the hurts here and, and obviously all the drama. Um, first of all, how you guys doing? And then give, give your opinions on Hurts, man. I just want to get hear what you guys have to say with him possibly leading the charge. I mean, look, I know people aren't too hot about Jalen Hurts, and understandably so. And you know what? It It's completely justifiable that the confidence level for Jalen Hurts isn't very high. But I – I cannot wrap my head around drafting a another damn quarterback in the first round at the number six overall pick due to the fact that, wow, okay, you can say that quarterback is a question mark because we don't know exactly what Jalen Hurts is or what he's going to be. But at the end of the day, I don't care what quarterback that you have. You still need playmakers on both sides of the ball. And the reality is both sides of the ball are very bare. All right, we still have problems at the right receiver position, even though we've drafted at the we drafted the right receiver position in the first round last year, and in the previous year we drafted a right receiver in the second round, and we still have a right receiver issue. So at the end of the day, you still need playmakers for that quarterback to throw to. Not to mention the fact that you know this offensive line is aging. All right, it, this offensive line needs depth as we've seen with the injuries that we've had this past season. All right. It's not necessarily a guarantee that, you know, Jason Kelsey is going to be healthy and he's going to come back and man that center position. Like there's a lot of question marks on that offensive line as well. So not to mention now getting into the defense a little bit. All right. They're probably going to get rid of some guys on the defensive side of the ball too. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Brandon Graham either traded or released. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't even be surprised to see Fletcher Cox possibly, you know, traded or released. Even Darius Slate. Like, I honestly think they're going to go into a full rebuild. We've already seen the reports about Ashawn Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. So you're going to need playmakers on both sides of the ball if you're going to strip this team bare. Drafting a quarterback isn't going to help any situation. This situation for Jalen Hurts is very hard. He's a rookie quarterback going into the season that he did with – you're you're playing the backup position, but then you're thrown into the game where a team is just having a losing season and you have the drama in the locker room. The the coach and the starting quarterback aren't getting along. So it's a lot for Jalen Hurts to to get into the league, get that done. And then in the offseason, like T mentioned last show, he's bringing these guys to Texas. They're training. So he's doing as much as he can. But whether or not the Eagles are full on giving Jalen Hurts the keys to this team, I'm not sure. And I don't think Jalen Hurts is sure yet. And he's playing now. This will be his second season where he's really unsure his role on this team. Um, but they're either going to give Jalen Hurts the keys and then hire a veteran quarterback to back him up or they're going to go to the draft and there's going to be another quarterback competition. This team can't get away from the drama and the competition. But I like Jalen Hurts. 
Uh, I just want to make that clear that I think Jalen Hurts can be a starter for for an NFL team, if not the Eagles. But I'm really curious to see what they do, and I'm sure we all are, what they do in the draft with that number six pick. Yeah, listen, I think you're spot on there. I think Jalen Hurts does have the capabilities to be a quarterback, a franchise quarterback, whatever word you want to use in this league. Will it be with the Eagles? We don't know yet. That remains to be seen. But I think there's two quarterbacks in this draft that are better than Jalen Hurts and have higher potential. Trevor Lawrence, who we all know the Eagles won't get, he'll go to Jacksonville with the first pick. And then Zach Wilson, who I'm still high on. I still think Zach Wilson's skill set and what I've seen on tape definitely shows that, one, he probably has more of an upside than Jalen Hurts does as far as his arm strength, his size. Um, but, two, just being able to, you know, obviously playing in a weaker, you know, not not a conference-dependent, but opponents, obviously, at BYU, didn't have the toughest schedule this season. But I think everything that – People have talked about, you know, on TV, on radio, things that I've seen personally. This guy's the real deal. So I think those are the two guys that are worth grabbing if they're there. At least Zach Wilson, we know, will possibly be. The Eagles have a good relationship with Joe Douglas. Will they go up to that second overall pick and draft Wilson if they love him enough? We'll see. If you can't get those two guys, in my opinion, you'd stay pat um, at pick six. Now, again, if their wide receivers there, tight end from Florida, Kyle Pitts is there, there's a ton of options you can take. Do you want to trade up and go to the third pick to the second pick and not take a quarterback? Maybe. I don't know if I would do that. The only way, the only way I trade up personally is if we're taking a quarterback, if not, I either trade back and try to gather more assets or just stay at pick six. So I think I want to get your guys reaction because I think we're, we're on the, we're on the edge here of do we want to trade up and, and want, you know, once the key word or, you know, would you guys just stay at six, take the best player available do you have that itch to go up there and get Zach Wilson or would you rather just stay pat with Hertz and grab like a Michael Parsons or, or a Devonte Smith? I'm sorry, but you hit on one of the things that makes me question about Zach Wilson. And it was the conference that he played in. I mean, come on now. He, he came out of BYU. And while, you know, the, the, the attributes are there, you know, the strong arm and things of that nature and the size, you know, all, all that's fine. The, the pro tip, the prototypical quarterback and the things that we look at, for the prototypical quarterback, for one thing, I don't like when a player is surrounded by hype. And this is just me personally. This is just how I feel. I don't like when a player is, you know, surrounded by hype and people start hyping them up because then I'm, I'm starting to raise my eyebrow. Okay, why is this kid getting so much praise? Anyway, the conference play for me is the biggest concern, all right? There, there were times where he, he really didn't play up against a whole, whole lot of competition. And look, like I said, I'm not comfortable with drafting a quarterback. Like I would not move up in a draft to draft a quarterback. I'm sorry. In order for you to move up, you would have to give up even more assets to draft a quarterback. And frankly, you need as many assets as you possibly can get, because the reality is you're in cap hell. The Eagles are in cap hell. All right. They can't sign anybody. They can't really um, re-sign any any young guys. All right. So this draft is going to be very important for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. They don't need to be giving up assets. All right. If anything, if a playmaker that you're not comfortable with, whether that be an offensive, defense, defensive side of the ball, isn't there at number six, you need to trade back and you need to get more assets. That's the, that's the only way I would move in the draft. I'm moving back. If I can't get a Jamar Chase or I can't get a certain look, if I can't get any of those big playmaking guys on either side of the ball, just trade back. Don't draft a quarterback, please. Yeah, I really don't see the point of drafting a quarterback. There you have Jalen Hurts, who 
do you really need is that the position you really need an upgrade on there's plenty more we have wide receiver for one if you draft another quarterback there you have a quarterback competition as we mentioned and then say Jalen Hurts wins that competition now you drafted a guy sixth overall who's now on your bench and you still don't have any wide receivers or cornerback. No, go with a wide receiver or cornerback. That way, Jalen Hurst is your quarterback, and that wide receiver, there's chemistry now in between them. Instead of wasting a pick, you have a pick on your bench then. Number six. Yeah, I see your point there, and I think I've always been on your side, both of you guys, uh, up until recently, just because of the fact that I think Zach Wilson has more potential than Jalen Hurts does. And I think, you know, could you package maybe the, the assets you got back from that Carson Wentz trade put Jalen Hurts along with that as well and send that to the Jets and grab Zach Wilson at pick two. It's a possibility, but I see your points. The, the, the goal for me is don't have a quarterback competition. We just dealt with that with Wentz and Hurts. So if you're going to go up and get Zach Wilson, you cannot have Hurts on this team and have another situation that you just had with Wentz. Now, hold on. Hurts. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm all in agreement with, you know, testing Jalen Hurst just to make sure that, okay, if he's going to be the guy moving forward, I do agree with bringing to some form of competition. I just don't agree with drafting the quarterback high in the draft. I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm, if, you, if that's the way we're going to go with Hurts, I'm fine with bringing in the veteran guy and giving him a little competition. But Hurts is going to be the guy if we don't go up and get Zach Wilson. The problem that I would have is drafting Trey Lance, is drafting Justin Fields, because I don't think those guys at this point or in the future had that potential to really skyrocket and get up there um, – Past Jalen Hurts, I think Jalen Hurts is right on par with those two guys. I think the skill sets of Lawrence and Wilson that I've seen are better than Jalen Hurts, which is the reason why quarterback's the most important position in sports. We all know that. If you can get a guy that's better than Jalen Hurts, um, hopefully without giving up too much assets to go up and get him because he won't fall to six, I would go up there and do it. Now, after that, then you have to start building around there, and that's that's where the issue lies. But I personally think this team would have more upside with Zach Wilson at the helm than Jalen Hurts and Things would have to be worked out there. There's a lot Howie Rosen would have to go through in order to move Jalen Hurts in order to acquire, you know, that second overall pick and send draft capital away that he just acquired in the Carson Wentz trade. So there's a lot that goes into it. But I would go up and get Zach Wilson if the opportunity comes. If not, the thing for me is you're safe at the end of the day because you can give Jalen Hurts that opportunity to go out there and earn his stripes as the franchise quarterback. But at the same time, at pick six, you still have all the studs. You still have Devontae Smith. You still have Jamar Chase, hopefully, unless he gets taken by the Dolphins or anybody up there. The thing for me is you're competing with the Falcons for a quarterback, and you're competing with the Jets and the Jags, obviously, for a quarterback. We're the fourth team in line, I think, looking for a quarterback right now. So that's where the issue lies. There's so much changing going on with, with the mock drafts that we've seen. You guys know that. You know we've When this all first came out, Devontae Smith goes crazy in the playoff, college football playoff. His, he skyrockets up the draft board to pick three that we've seen multiple times. Um, but we saw the left tackle out of Oregon. Uh, he was going to be picked three, basically the whole draft, even picked two at some point until Zach Wilson got more and more, you know, recognition on tape and people and scouts have seen him. So there's so much to dive into here. But I think you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, are set on staying at pick six and just taking the best skill player available. You guys don't have any interest in going up there and grabbing Zach Wilson at pick two. I have no interest at all and once again look <laughs> no you don't have any assets to move up that's my big thing you don't you, have anything that you, you could package you could package hurts and then that that conditional first and third i think that could possibly get the job done because you're not moving from 15th to second you're only moving from sixth to second you're basically flipping that set two to six with the jets and then you're sending them another first round or a third and even maybe hurts 
Max, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. You're eliminating the best part, and you're eliminating the part where we get into the reason why Carson Wentz even left in the first place. One word, competition. I need competition at these positions, especially these primary playmaking positions. All right. I need someone who's going to challenge Jalen Hurts. I want to make sure that Jalen Hurts is the guy. I need some sort of competition for him. I disagree with that. I, I don't want competition. Uh, we just dealt with that last season. Two guys going back and forth. We tried throwing Jalen Hurts in those packages that he ran, which was so stupid. It, it doesn't work. You, you need a franchise quarterback. No winning organizations has a quarterback competition. All right. Okay, well, do I agree with you with the fact that we shouldn't have drafted Jalen Hurts in the first place and be put in this current situation? Yes, absolutely. 100% agree with you. Jalen Hurts should not be on a Philadelphia Eagle. However, he is. So given the situation, he is – even though we threw Carson Wentz all that money. Here's the thing. If you're a franchise quarterback and we just gave you all this money, bruh, why are you looking over your shoulder? That's a mental thing, all right? Football is about competition. Max, I think you stated before that you played um, in high school, all right? Look, you fought for minutes, all right? You fought for playing time. It's about competition. The guy who's better got the starting position, got more playing time. Same thing in my situation when I played football. Whoever was better than me, all right? They got more time than I did. If I was a situational player and my skill set said I was best in this situation, guess what? I can only play in the game at certain situations. That's about competition. If I wanted to be better, if I wanted to pre present myself as a better player, then guess what? I needed to work on those things. Carson Wentz needed to work on those things, and instead of him taking accountability, he just up and left. I need somebody who's going to compete. I need competitors. I need guys who understand that, look, your position isn't guaranteed either in the NFL or the Philadelphia Eagles or anywhere. Your position is not guaranteed. You need to fight for it. Tanner, I'll let, I'll let you dive in here and take this one. Well, we can't put all the blame on Carson Wentz as much as I would love to. It, it goes into the Eagles' fault, too. They weren't honest with him. They paid him all this money. Then they bench him. Obviously, he didn't play as well, but they were feeding him lies. And in the locker room, his teammates were feeding him lies. Everyone was lying to Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz was lying to himself out there on the presser of saying that he, you know, it wasn't, he was going to keep doing what he was doing. Um, he wasn't affected. But truth is, he was affected so much that he had to get benched for our second round quarterback that we drafted before him after signing him to a, a huge contract. Now, that does things to, and the Colts are going to have a job um, readjusting Carson Wentz, um, building his mentality back up. Now we heard that he can't take, he, he doesn't, when people give him advice, he doesn't like to take it. Uh, he was running audible all the time. Um, it, it's just a mess. And we, we go into the trade and, and we see how maybe the Eagles got ripped off in this trade, but I guess you can look at it both ways. I mean, the Eagles, they got fleeced for this, in, in my opinion, still. Uh, for this trade and we can get into that soon but I think Jalen Hurts leading this team would be the best option we're going back to seeing who we would pick sixth overall and I think drafting a quarterback sixth overall or going higher would be a waste of time because then you have as Max said you would just trade away um, Jalen Hurts then you have this guy stepping into the starting position already with a a team that is not a shell of a team that it used to be three years ago all right, there he has a job there. But, of course, Jets quarterbacks do that all the time. I understand that. But we still don't know what the teams above us are going to do, um, too. There's still that Deshaun Watson drama, um, which it seems like the Texans are going to hold him hostage. Um, but it, the, the, the Jets, they don't know if they're going to draft a quarterback yet. I, I saw that they re, re 
they were going over the uh, the draft order and and the guys that they can draft at quarterback position. They still don't know if they want to go away from Sam Darnold or not. So there's a lot going into this. Um, I mentioned where Deshaun Watson would go. And I think Jalen Hurts, it would be smarter for him to lead this team. Uh, you draft a skill position at wide receiver. You go with if Smith is available, Jamar Chase, we already know. And I think that'd be better than having you have what now? What would they go for if they drafted quarterback six? Are they still going with that veteran um, backup? And then you have him. Then you have the veteran backup going in for the rest of the season. So I don't see any point in drafting a quarterback at six. So you got the last word here. Look, drafting a quarterback at six, at six would just not it, – it just would not be a wise move. Once again, as I reiterate and said, you need playmakers on both sides of the ball. If you're going to rebuild this team, then guess what? You need to do it in a smart way. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is the answer. All right, we don't know yet. We don't know that yet, and that remains to be seen. However, if you eliminate competition – then you're right back in the same situation that we was just in with Carson Wentz. All right. When Carson Wentz was drafted number two overall, we all knew that even though that Sam Bradford was here as horrible as he was. And everybody knows I hate Sam Bradford. All right. As horrible as he was, we all knew even though Sam, they kissed, they kept saying Sam Bradford was the starter. We all knew that Carson Wentz was eventually going to be the starter. And sure enough, look what happened. Teddy Bridgewater goes down with that horrific injury. We trade Sam Bradford to the Minnesota Vikings. Boom. With now any competition, Carson Wentz becomes the automatic starter. All right. Look, competition is good in sports. All right. It's how guys who are supposed starters can you know, continue to improve and not just settle into the position that they're in just based off of the fact that they've been in the, in the league for a certain period of time and they, uh, in there at a, a certain point where they think that they're untouchable. And the reality is that's, that's just not true. It's not the case. Well, T, I want to butt in here. I think competition would be much better with Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's a competitor. He's a leader. He wants to lead this team. And I think he, it will have a completely different effect on Jalen Hurts than it did with Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts, um, he likes the competition. He, he liked it this season. He, he liked going out there and showing that he was the better quarterback at the time and place. And I think if you draft another quarterback, that that won't be good co- competition. That would be drama. Uh, you have why why are they drafting another quarterback? I thought I was going to get the starting role instead of having a veteran back him up. And, and even though I'm sure he could learn stuff off the veteran, I've heard um, Fitz Magic as a possibility, um, which I, I don't think. Uh, that'll happen. But um, I think Jalen Hurts, he'll, he'll learn off this veteran, but he's also competitive enough that he'll show this veteran, look, your time's passed. I'm, I'm the quarterback, and this is my team, and, and that's the kind of person Jalen Hurts is. Well, guys, it remains to be seen. I think we all have differencing uh, uh, opinions here. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's, a, it's not – I wouldn't say it's a fun time to be an Eagles fan, but it's an interesting time to be an Eagles fan because there's a lot of stuff that's going to go down within the next two, three months with all the people getting cut, specifically Ashawn Jeffrey, most recently Deshaun Jackson as well. So there's going to be some roster turnover. We'll see what happens. The cool thing is we're finally in the disagreement here on this show. So I like the, uh, I like the conversation that's been going around. But from, from the Eagles into the Sixers here and talk about what they've been going through recently. You had the 50-point game from Embiid against the Chicago Bulls. Turn around, get on a plane, fly down to Tampa to play the Raptors in a different city that's not Toronto. And basically lay an egg. You know, Joel Embiid didn't look like his dominant self. Ben Simmons had a great game coming back after a few game absence. But 
I think it's clear to all of us and even the Philly fans that we need another piece. And whether that be a bench piece, whether it be a starter or both, you know, I think we can all make an argument that that's the case. Where are you guys going with this? Where is your head at with regard to making a move? Do you think the more important thing is making a move in the starting lineup, getting a little bit more athletic on the wing along with Tobias Harris, um, have Seth Curry maybe stay at the two, Danny Green gone in the trade, Danny Green to the bench in a trade? Do you focus more on the bench with the production? I think one thing that we have to talk about here, the fact that Shake Milton, Dwight Howard, and Matisse Thibel are the only com- contributors to this bench right now. Even beyond that, you have Isaiah Joe, who tried to take over Furkan Korkmaz minutes the other night against the Toronto Raptors. That didn't go so well. Korkmaz has been pretty atrocious over the last five games, statistically speaking. Where's the direction of this team going as a trade deadline approaches? Um, I, I've been on record of saying this. Um, I think you can get away with having Danny Green in the starting lineup, even though he provides you nothing offensively. Um, there is something still there a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they really need to build up that bench is, is basically what I'm saying. All right. They, when the starters, when the starters are in and when the games first start, all right, the Sixers come out, come out like a bat out of hell. All right. They're they're competitive. They're scoring. All right. They're active on the boards. All right. They're scoring. They're scoring points at will. They're doing exactly what they want to do. They're executing the offense to perfection. It's not until the bench starts coming in at the point starts slowing down. Turnovers start, you know, things get a little bit more sloppier. It's that bench It's something that I've argued about, you know, really since the beginning of the season that I think the bench was going to be a question mark. The bet that bench is going to be the difference between the Sixers being in the Eastern conference finals and them making a presence in the NBA finals. It's going to be that bench. If they can build up that bench, then I think we can definitely have a, a competitive team. As a matter of fact, I had an argument um, with somebody about this at work, you know, and they were saying that, you know, they could possibly beat, you know, the Brooklyn Nets because the, basically the Brooklyn Nets really are, you know, even though the Sixers are the number one team in the Eastern Conference, the the Nets are really the main team that's, you know, a threat to go to the finals, you know, with their three-headed monster. But the thing of it is, even though they don't play, even though the Nets really don't play a whole lot of defense, the Nets score. They're going to outscore you. That's the thing. We don't have enough scores to be able to, to be able to keep up with their scoring. So we need more scores. And I've said I've been very adamant about that. They can get more scores that can come off the bench. Then I can say, okay, we'll go to the finals. We're going to be competitive. All right. I have high expectations for this team, but until then, that's going to be the difference difference between the Sixers actually going to the finals and that. For me, the Sixers team has an unfinished starting five. All right. This seemed like it was temporary at first, but it's been dragging long, long, long enough to make me think that maybe Daryl Morey will just focus on the bench going into the trade deadline. And I think, the most important thing for me is to have that locked in fifth piece. I feel like we could either go with Curry or, or Danny green. I feel like one of those could go. Um, But I think if you have a solid starting five, obviously you won't have to rely on the bench as much, but it is basketball. All right. You have to have a bench um, going into the finals, especially uh, for this team to last. But yeah, Danny Green, I think we get him with – I think he goes with a trade, uh, maybe another one of our our less productive bench pieces. But Danny Green shooting 38.5% uh, 
from three. And Curry is, I think it was 45, um, maybe 46% from three. They're both very inconsistent. But uh, Seth Curry, he's got 12 points per game um, next to Danny Green's, what, 8.8, I think it was. Um, I'm just kind of pulling these numbers off the top of my head, so excuse me if they're not as accurate. But um, I think I think you would have to go away from Danny Green um, and and maybe keep Curry in that for his shoot for his perimeter shooting and find a you won't find a super talented guy at this point. I don't think the Sixers are going to be able to bring one in. Um, I know Max likes bringing up Kyle Lowry, um, a veteran piece. Um, that'll be great to have on the Sixers team. I keep mentioning that you have, I know you have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but that veteran guy take over the role like JJ Redick did. Um, that'll be very helpful for this team. Cause you already have a coach like doc rivers. Yeah. I think I'm a tiebreaker here. So T looking for the bench help Tanner looking for the starting lineup help. I want to make the argument that we need both. If we want to compete with the Brooklyn Nets, because of the fact that T mentioned their three headed monster. That's There's a cop out answer. I'm going to tell you that right now. That's a cop out answer. Yeah, so so if I had to, if I had to choose one over the other, I'm picking I'm picking the addition to the starting five, and here's why: when you get into the playoffs, is the key for me, and you're not going to go nine, ten deep in your bench when you, the playoffs start. You're going to need maybe two, three guys off of that bench, and we have a defensive specialist with Matisse Thybul. If Shake Mitlin can get back to his production that he had early on in the season, averaging around 16 points per game, he's fallen off. Obviously, had the ankle injury that he suffered on that last West Coast trip hasn't looked like himself in the two games that he's played since he came back. But if he can get back to that normal self, remember we were talking about this guy as a six-man-of-the-year candidate possibly. He needs to get back to that sort of production if we want to go far in the playoffs. And Dwight Howard is a body seven-footer to just take up space, give Joel Embiid a rest. That's really what he's out there for, collect some rebounds, foul some people. Tanner, you, you know, we all know that. But when you look at the starting lineup here, I think Danny Green and Seth Curry – I've been pretty hard on. You guys know that. I think he was brought in here to knock down threes. I think he's been inconsistent. There's games where he gives you 22 points all, all from the from the two guard position, and then there's games where he maybe goes you know three of 12 and gives you seven points. The problem for me is Danny Green is more inconsistent. I mean, this is a guy that's given you two of nine, one of six, one of seven stat lines each game. He's out there to knock down the three, as Tanner mentioned, only shooting 38 percent. That needs to be a tick or two higher, in my opinion. But the key is. Those two guys were brought in to win regular season basketball games, stretch the floor, Ben Simmons dish. It's worked well, but we realize when we play tough teams, when we go out west, we got to play the Jazz, you know, teams like that. We got to play the Clippers eventually, um, depending on how the second half of this schedule works out. Those teams that we run into are just as talented as we are, and that's where we're running the problem. So if we can bring in a Kyle Lowry, who I've been a fan of as far as implementing him into our squad, never been a fan of him in Toronto playing against them. But if you can bring him in here and kind of give you that, you know, Tobias Harris, jack of all trades type of player, he's really solid player. He's not a star in any one sense or one sense of the game. He's good and really solid at basically all rebounding the basketball, scoring the basketball, solid, but not elite. I think if you bring in a Kyle Lowry guy who's an elite defender, he can create for himself and be able to get his own shot. You still have Ben Simmons to facilitate, get Curry those open threes. And then you have the star center, Joel Embiid inside. That gives you a great opportunity to compete against the Brooklyn Nets because I think that's where we have. I, I'm, I'm confident that we're pretty, we're, we match up pretty well with the Bucks and the Celtics. Possibly, we all agree that the Nets are the number one issue. I, I can agree with that. With especially, you know, the Bucks really aren't that much of a competition considering Giannis is taking a step back, which has been a, a and a really 
crazy surprise. I did not expect a step back considering the regression that he has had these last couple NBA seasons. But it, yes, the Nets are the competition. And I, okay, so if we trade for a Kyle Lowry, my issue is this because he's also a facilitator as well. He's not, he, his main game isn't just a score. All right. He's, he's your all around, he's an all around point guard. All right. And you already have your point guard in Ben Simmons. So now what does Ben Simmons do? Like is Ben Simmons still the primary ball carrier or now he, is he going to have to delegate that with Kyle Lowry? Like that's my, that's my main issue with bringing Kyle Lowry here. Like, don't get me wrong. Of course, I'm going to invite a talent like Kyle Lowry here. However, I, I just struggle with, how exactly would that work with the starting five, considering that Ben Simmons is really your primary ball ball handler? Like that's that's just the one that's just me. That's just the one thing I'm struggling with in terms of Kyle Lowry. If anything, like you you need a shooter. All right. If if anything, you know, you try to look for guys like I don't know, maybe a Victor Oladipo. Or I know this might be a bit of a stretch and you might have to give up a whole lot. And this may be, you know a little bit out of it, but I think a guys like Zach Levine who are asked to do everything for the Chicago bulls, because he basically is the Chicago bulls offense. And he has stepped up to the plate in terms of points. He just doesn't have enough help around him. Like you need shooters like that. I think for this team to really be competed. Tia, I see your point. And I think now that I think about it, I, I do, I do think, Kyle Lowry, that would be more of a project that you would have to deal with in the offseason to see if they could groom, uh, as you mentioned, Joel Embiid and him together, their playing style together. That's more of an offseason type of responsibility. And I think to get a starting player, that'll mesh great. Obviously, that's what you wish for right away in the starting five, but that's not always what happens. All right, we we saw um, with – it was Jimmy Butler. And when Jimmy Butler was on the Sixers, the starting five, they rarely played together. Um, because there was injuries, and of course, you were a, you weren't really able to tell what this team could really do all healthy going into the playoffs. Because I believe before the playoffs, what two two or three years ago, it was they only played 12, 12 full games together, yeah, or something, something like, that. like that. But I one thing I really liked from the loss against the Raptors was seeing Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons put up about the same amount of points, and it was almost near thirty. It was. One of them had right here, MB 25, uh, Simmons 28 points. That's what I like to see. I'd like to see the last few games, they both got career high um, points. Um, I believe maybe it was what going on a week, week or, or two now that Ben Simmons had that 30 plus mm-hmm. um, game. But Joel MB drops 50, and then um, game later, he comes back um, and, and he's keeping up pace with Ben Simmons. Uh, ben Simmons coming back after a two-game absence to an illness, too. So I really liked seeing that out of them, too, uh, being able to play together and meshing together. Now you have to figure out those other guys. Tobias Harris is fine. All right, we already know that that's three, but it's the inconsistent Seth Curry and Danny Green that's really um, going to affect this team going into the stretch. And I think we can do well with Seth Curry still on this team, but I think Danny Cur- uh, I think Danny Green needs to um, to be off the starting five. I hate this year. Uh, one thing I want to mention is the fact that Kyle Lowry, yeah, T, I get it. He's more of a point guard. But listen, this is a guy that's still playing 34 minutes a game. People were talking about his age, but he's still productive even as he's into his 30s now. You also have to look at the fact that he's still dropping 18 points per game when you look at the stat line. I mean, that's not what Dan- Danny Green has half of that. That's my issue. So when you implement him to be able to create, Danny Green cannot create a shot for himself. 
you implement Kyle Lowry in the starting lineup, it's a different animal. The thing for me is also when you match up with the Brooklyn Nets, because that's where this is headed, and I think we can all agree with that, in the Eastern Conference Finals, Kyle Lowry is just the perfect defender to stick on Kyrie Irving. You're going to have Ben Simmons guarding Kevin Durant. You could have Kyle Lowry guard Kyrie Irving. And, you know, you're not going to find too many people that can stop Kyrie Irving, but I think Kyle Lowry is a guy who can limit him um, for the most part. And then Tobias Harris on James Harden, you know, you just got to, you know, cross your fingers because there's three Hall of Famers out there. You can't stop them all. So I think that's why we're going to match up well. We can acquire Kyle Lowry. I don't think it's going to cost as much as people think because he's on an expiring contract. We're going to have to re-sign him if that point comes in time. But the reason I like Kyle Lowry, and for those of you listening, why we're bringing Kyle Lowry up specifically, this has been a guy that's been rumored to be on the move. The Raptors have come on strong lately. I think they've won their last six games, maybe, or six or seven, something like that. But this is a team that's come on strong lately. So the rumors, not that they're dying down, but they're starting to become questioned. But everybody, every news outlet is really saying this is the guy that the Sixers are really high on, and they're looking to make a major move come this deadline. So that's why we're bringing this up. And I think that's why Kyle Lowry – because of the fact that he can guard Kyrie Irving and not only that, but create his own shot, be able to just facilitate, yes, but still stretch the floor and shoot well enough to not basically clog the paint for Ben Simmons on his drives. I just feel like it's a perfect matchup. If you can't get him and you have to go for Victor Oladipo, I think it would cost a little bit more. And it's a little weird because he just got traded um, only a couple months ago. So it would kind of be tough to work that out. I don't think that would happen, but that's where I stand on it. I'll give either one of you guys the last word on the Sixers topic before we move on. But Kyle Lowry, I think, is most important for me because I don't think you can find a bench piece that's going to mean enough to step into the role off the bench and be able to create enough points and opportunities, whether that be on the defensive end, whether that be on the offensive end, either way, to make a difference when you have to go into the playoffs and play the Bucs and the Nets. Uh, look, you you got a point. You you do have a point. Um, you know, it, I'm, of course, I'm never going to be against adding more shooting to the starting lineup. I'm never going to have an issue with that. Right. It's just that when those starters get tired and the other teams, um, the other teams backups get into the game, that's when I start to see the lead that the Sixers starters have already acquired. And sometimes that's upward of 10 plus points. All right. You get this nice, comfortable lead and then the backups come in and then all of a sudden, that lead cut goes down because the backups they can't score. Like they're not they're not scoring as as frequently and as efficiently as the starters. And of course, you're going to have a bit of a drop off, but it's a very dramatic drop off compared to the starters for this this 76ers team. It's the reason why I say I would focus more on building up the bench than the starting lineup per se. Now that's not to say you know that's not to say you know they, you shouldn't replace Danny Green because Danny Green has been absolutely horrible. I'm not gonna disagree with you on that in terms of his shooting Danny Green is a liability out there on the offensive side of the ball now like the minute he shoots a three I'm like why did he shoot that three I don't care if he's wide open like right now he can't toss it in the ocean and that that's just how he's playing right now but I don't think score I don't think adding scoring from the starting lineup is going to help anybody like you need you you still need to build up that scoring from the bench to be able to stay in these games especially when you go deep into the playoffs you know when your starters are already going to be putting up 38 to 40 minutes a game like you're these starters are going to get tired they're going to need some kind of help Exactly, T. And if you have a better starting five, the starters are going to get rest because they're doing better. Uh, they're ahead by the other team with a good amount of points to put the bench in. 
Um, now I understand, um, well, also good reference to about Danny green in the ocean. Um, <laughs> I understand that you want to improve on the bench, but like I said, better starting five, um, the starting five, they have more of a rest time at the end of the game then. And that's that's the way I see it because Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, they definitely need their rest. And you already have a guy like Dwight Howard who, albeit, I mean, his fouls have been down as of late. I feel like he, he's been getting a little better at, uh, at that. But uh, Ben Simmons, he's better with uh, free throws now. And the team is improving ar- around themselves right now. But if you get that better um, starting piece in, uh, the team has better shot uh, to make it full all the way through the playoffs. I agree. With, I agree with both you guys to, to to a certain degree. I think the starting five is probably for me the most important. Um, in my last statement that I mentioned that, and I think being able to look at past seasons into the playoffs and look at what we really need and what hurt us, the matchups, the 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 starting five is going to be playing a lot of minutes. It's a seven game series in the playoffs. So you're relying on your starting five. Now, against the, the the Charlotte Hornets in the regular season, against the Wizards in the regular season, does your bench help? Uh, of course, and it helps to some degree in the playoffs. But the starting five, especially when you look across, uh, you know, to the other teams and you have, you know, three all-stars on one team, they don't really thought, look at their bench and they say, okay, we need to improve it. I mean, they probably will. They'll make little moves as the deadline approaches. But when you got to compete against that to get to the finals – you, you better make some moves in that starting five to be able to match up with them. So remains to be seen, you know, March 25th is the deadline. A lot of stuff can happen before then. So, of course, we'll keep you guys updated and informed about all the moves the Sixers make as the deadline approaches. The last topic today as we move from the Sixers into the Phillies about spring training and, you know, what the Phillies' expectations are this upcoming season. Andrew, We're all excited. I think the, the games start and then at four or five days. We're excited for that. You know, Reese Hoskins – medically cleared the play after that um, Tommy John surgery uh, to his non-throwing elbow and just being able to come together as a team this season, have a full spring training to get everybody worked in a lot of signings that weren't huge, obviously besides JT Romuto and DD Gregorius, but I'm talking pitching, I'm talking to Chase Anderson's of the world, Matt Moore as well. Like those little signings, Brad Miller back uh, the bamboo guy. So when you guys look at the expectations for the Phillies this year, I'm not talking record wise. I'm just talking about, as the full spring training goes through, we have, you know, a lot of guys get key at bats that's needed to Im- improve and get themselves geared up for the season. Where are your expectations at? Maybe individually, maybe as a core group, whether that be the bullpen, maybe that be the outfield positions, you know, where are you guys at with that? So, <laughs> okay. So they, there's, they're trying to make a little bit more improvement on the bullpen, which is of course has been the Achilles heel of this Phillies team for the past couple seasons. Um, which is definitely an improvement. Um, yeah, uh, Hector Neris is still here. Um, why? I don't know why, but you know, let's move on. But I have, I have expectation. I have high expectation for one player in particular, and that's Alec Baum. He came in late during the season, and I think he's going to continue to improve. Um, there's reports out there that you know he's worked on his power, and that he could possibly be a 25 to 30 home run guy. So. If he's able to become that, like I'm, I'm really excited. As a, as a matter of fact, I've seen some videos of him swinging, and, and I, I never had a problem with his swing mechanics. But now looking at him this year, and you know the improvement that he's made, I'm, I'm even more excited to see what Alec Bone can do. 
That's all great and everything, all these expectations and everything, but I want to see how this team's actually going to play. Uh, they, they've done fine spring training-wise, and then they've just absolutely took a dump in the regular season. Uh, we've seen it time and time again, and this last season was not a full season, um, and this one won't be either. Um, I believe, what, 160, 155? How many games we playing? Uh, I got to do research. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's around then. Um, yeah, this bullpen, that, that's a highlight that I want to pay attention to. Now they had the um, additions like Archie Bradley, who, who's going to it's going to show, I believe. But it, it's yet to tell because we haven't seen these guys actually play. And this team needs to start getting going. Um, who's our second baseman? Who's our starting second baseman? Yeah. Well, right now on paper, it's Gene Segura, I think. One thing that's been mentioned, Joe Girardi hasn't been happy with Scott Kingery, and we all know that, especially last season. He's got to earn his stripes, so to speak, again. But Gene Segura is the starting second baseman right now. You have Didi Gregorius having visa issues, trying to get over into the country. He's going to have to quarantine when he gets here, so he's going to have a late start to spring training. I, I want to focus on Reese Hoskins specifically this year. I think Al Bohm's going to have another solid year. I think JT's going to be solid, of course, and Bryce as well. But the key for me is Reese Hoskins, because if Reese Hoskins can get back to that 2018 form, it's going to be super uh, impactful for this team going throughout this whole season. We're playing a lot more games than we did last year. And I think that's going to have to be, uh, you know, everybody goes through the ups and downs in a season. We get that. But the consistency is is why you pay the big bucks to the key players. Reese Hoskins is one of the key players on this team. You look at Andrew McCutcheon out there in left field. Uh, how many years has Andrew McCutcheon had left uh, playing, playing Major League Baseball? We don't know that. You know, he's looked the shell of himself after that ACL surgery that he had a few years ago, he won't be able to play all 150, 160 games, whatever it is, out in left field. So you're going to need to have some depth. And one of the guys that we've brought up and talked about, uh, at least last week, is Odubel Herrera. So my bold prediction was that Odubel Herrera is going to be the starting center fielder on day one. I think he's going to come in. I think he's going to have a good spring training. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. Um, as long as everybody's accepting of him in the locker room, be able to yeah. um, you know, accept him back, I guess, uh, however you want to word it based on what he's done in the past. I think he's going to come in here and be productive. I think Roman Quinn just hasn't been able to stay healthy. I think Adam Hazley just hasn't proved himself enough with the chances that he got, especially last season and the season before that. He's had his fair share of at-bats, and he hasn't really produced a lot. He's hitting ninth in the lineup. He hit leadoff a couple times for a, a small stretch, um, I, I believe, last season or two years ago. But I don't think he's the answer in the everyday center fielder. And I think Odubo Herrera, before you know, he had an issue off the field there, with the domestic violence, this guy was an all-star to caliber player. So expect him to be the starting center fielder day one. And I don't know if you guys want to throw out some bold predictions, but that would, that'll be mine. Yeah, I'm sorry. But um, your Bryce Harper prediction about him getting better. Um, that's only because you have like a fat head of him in your room, but we're not going to talk about guess that. Guess what? Guess what? T still got better hair than you. <laughs> I challenged that. But anyway, <laughs> first off, Bryce Harper had hit 0.268. He ain't got no choice but to improve considering how much money I'm throwing at him. And I just want to throw that out there just to mess with you. Well, that's, but, always, that's <laughs> always going to be a fact, T, that you gotta always, you're always going to be looking at the money um, because this was a really big contract. None of us have seen something like that before it happened. Um, and I think for Oduble to step up and back into a starting role, he's got a lot to prove um, both off the field and on the field, his teammates. Um, and then he, he's got to prove that he – now he's able to come back from, from a situation like that where um, not a lot of people get a second chance. 
Um, and he's got to appreciate the Phillies are even giving him a chance to look because what he did is unjustifiable. Um, and it's really going to take a lot to, uh, to get his teammates trust back. Um, and, and that wise off the field, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's in the running, I'm not sure if I see him at, at starting, um, for sure secured. in. I think uh, the Phillies would make a move, um, mid season, maybe if that doesn't work out, but there's always a chance that, but like I said, he's got a lot, a lot to do before, before getting in that starting role. Well, guys, the Phillies, you know, brought back their key pieces. They brought back D.D. Gregorius. They brought back J.T. Romito. They added, you know, hopefully what we think is productive pitching, not only in the rotation, but in the bullpen as well. We'll see what they do with, with Chase Anderson, Matt Moore. We know Archie Bradley is going to be a big anchor in the back of that bullpen. Probably will be the closer. He has closing experience. He also has eighth inning experience as well. So, you know, he he's looking to, to be that dominant reliever that, that the Phillies have looked for uh, basically since Papelbon left, you could argue. So, um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Spring training next week, we'll definitely dive into the stats and, and touch on, you know, the first few games of spring training for the Phillies. I want to throw it to Tanner here for the last word, the last question um, before before we get out of here, because I think he's prepared uh, a, pr- a pretty tough question for T and I to answer as, as we get out of here. It could go both ways. You guys could both agree with this, but I'm curious to see. This is a yes or no answer, and then I want you guys to to prove why you chose that answer. So is Carson Wentz – could Carson Wentz be considered a bust in Philadelphia? Yes or no? I right, so while you guys think about your answer, I'm gonna bring up if you're if you're saying no, it's probably you're gonna bring up the 2017 season um, and how he played. But mind you, he didn't play that full season. He got injured. Nick Foles came in, won the Super Bowl for the team. He was given an elite quarterback contract. Then he comes back and he plays like he did last season. And don't forget the the season after the Super Bowl, he gets injured again. The team was what five and six. Nick Foles comes in, he wins the games he needs to win, and he's one Alshon Jeffrey catch away from probably going back to the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> Carson Wentz has just eight playoff snaps in five seasons. Is anyone ready to answer this question? I think I'm ready to tackle this question. Okay. Um, yes, I can bring up the fact that, you know, yes, the 2017 year, like that was an MVP like season. That's the reason why I'm going to say no, Carson Wentz wasn't a bust. It's more than just that 2017 season. First and foremost, if he doesn't have that 2017 season and put the Eagles in the position that he put him in, there would not be no legend of y'all savior Nick Foles. All right. There, there would be Nick Foles would still be the scrub that we all thought he was. Nick Foles would still be that backup, that guy who, you know, had very few fans. But, you know, people always for some reason had high expectations of him. Like Nick Foles wouldn't be the living legend that he is in Philadelphia as he is right now. If it wasn't for that 2017 Carson Wentz season, my eyes go to that 2019 season, that season before he signed that contract. Now, no, the team overall didn't do that hot that season. But considering what Carson Wentz was working with, with no receivers, he he still holds the record as the only quarterback in NFL history to throw for over 4,000 yards. And not one dog on receiver that year had over 500 yards. 
I can't tell you how impressive that is. Now, don't now don't get me wrong. I, right now, Carson Wentz is like undesirable number one in my heart right now. Like right now, if, if I were to see him, I, I don't know what I would do. Honestly, I, I would I would see red because I'm so irritated and peeled by the way he left and the way he acted when he was here. But that's besides the point. He's not a bust like is he helped bring this city a championship. Matter of fact, he was a major cog in bringing this city its first Super Bowl but victory. Let me let me add on to that before Max goes in. Now, if Nick Foles isn't there, the team does not win the Super Bowl. And then you just have Carson Wentz getting injured at the end of the season and, and the Eagles getting bounced out in the playoffs. How long How long did it take Nick Foles to warm up, though? It took him like two, three games just to warm up. By the time the playoffs came around, then he, he still struggled against the Falcons. What did they do at the end of the season? They won the Super Bowl. This doesn't matter about how long it took him to warm up. They won the Super Bowl. They brought the party back to Philadelphia. You're telling even me. Way, if Carson Wentz gets that injury even a quarter – if Carson Wentz gets that injury even a quarter or halfway through the season, Nick Foles has to take over. I do not think this team goes to the Super Bowl. I just don't. I don't see a, a scenario where that happens. It was more I see both of your points, 100%. Um, but you got to remember, Nick Foles, the other, the other year he steps in when Wentz gets hurt, he goes on the road to the, the dominant juggernaut of the Rams. Thanks, there. We win that football game on Five Sunday night football. So it's big. Me, personally, it depends on how you look at it. You know, if you want to just harp on that Super Bowl that we won, then Carson Wentz wasn't a bust because he got us, you know, to the point where Foles could have taken over or and he did and, and won the and won the Super Bowl. If you're talking about big picture here and, and you're talking about an organization that wants to make the playoffs consecutive years, consecutive years in a row and, and win multiple Super Bowls, of course he was a bust. You know, you pay the guy 130 whatever million, $128 million, and he has a good season, he gets hurt. We win the Super Bowl thanks to Nick Foles. Then he comes back and makes the playoff or, or you know, obviously he gets hurt three years in a row. We make playoffs with Tanner, you mentioned the whole Alshon drop, and then the Jadavion Clowney, the spear to the back of the head. We all get it. But, of course, he's a bust, in, in my opinion, if you look big picture at it, because I don't want to just harp on that Super Bowl. Yeah, we did win it, and I, I'm always a big picture kind of guy, and I want to look forward, and I want to be a, a great team for, for multiple years. So, for him, you know, not really wanting to embrace the competition that T said, and um, it, not even competition. I hate using that word. See, you're big on competition. I'm not. I think that's where we're polar opposites, because – Competition for me is Wentz is the guy. He, he's got paid the big bucks. You, you bring in a second-round pick behind you, that shouldn't bother you. You're supposed to just go out there and dominate the, the young rookie in practice and say, okay, you know, you can hold my lunch bag while I go out there and throw the touchdown passes. So that, that's where my problem is with Carson Wentz, and that's why I think he was a bust because, you know, it hurt him mentally that they drafted a quarterback when he should have just went out there. And, and I'm not saying this guy's Aaron Rodgers because Carson Wentz is an Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have to go out there and put an MVP-type season together like and throw a billion touchdown passes, lead a league in touchdown passes. But he just has to go out there and win football games at the end of the day. He didn't do that. Now, did he have help from his general manager? No. Did, did he have help from his owner putting a statue of Nick Foles out front that he had to walk past every day getting into the locker room? Probably not. You know, He didn't have any help. He didn't have any help with them even drafting Jalen Hurts in the first place. But when you look big picture in the money, and, and then even Tanner's great point, the fact that we got a, the return that we got for a guy that we invested basically our whole franchise into to get a second-round pick and a third-round pick. And people want to say first-round pick. Let's not forget, Carson Wentz has to do some some things that he hasn't done consistently in the past, and that's play a lot of football games yeah. in order for that to be a first-round pick. So right. let's not get things twisted. This isn't automatically a first-rounder, guys. Yeah, exactly. That's what I brought up last show. He has to he has to play seventy five percent of the snaps or seventy percent, and the Colts get in the playoffs, which the Colts are probably getting into the playoffs. But I want to bring it around back to the Carson Wentz point, 
And I think what really makes this side, Max, what what really makes it okay for you to say that he was a bust is because of the what we put in for Carson Wentz, the elite quarterback contract, the five picks that we sent to the Cleveland Browns for Carson Wentz. That's what goes into it. You, you give him this contract, millions of dollars. After putting in five picks and the guy gets injured almost every season and doesn't take this team full out uh, far into the playoffs last season, obviously he didn't have a lot of help, but you have a guy that needed a finisher for him. He needed someone else to come in like a closing pitcher for him. And he, he couldn't, he couldn't, pitch the full game if we're if we're still talking baseball but that's really what goes into it there's five picks in that contract Carson Wentz is considered a bust in Philadelphia Uh, I can't even with the picks like I'm sorry the way he played this past season it justifies what we what the Philadelphia Eagles got in return for him like I'm sorry you can't you can't play that bad and expect to get a Matthew Stafford deal we all know who Matthew Stafford is. Matthew Stafford puts up huge numbers, even with the receivers that he has and the talent that is around him. We know, we all know who Matthew Stafford is. That's the thing. Carson Wentz has been up and down in his career. And if you think that you should have gotten more for him, I, I understand all what we had to give up and what we had to do to get up to the number two overall pick. I get all that. But he devalued himself with the way he played, not to mention his attitude that started coming out. And at first that we didn't believe, but now after we look and see how everything has transpired, now those now attitude issues start to creep up. Like, let's be honest here. Who really wants to coach an uncoachable player? Well, T, here's the thing. Here's the kicker. No other teams um, reached out to the Eagles, apparently, oh. over Carson Wentz. Um, now, you can look at that both ways. Now, did the Eagles get a good deal? If no one else wanted Carson Wentz, I still think the Eagles got a terrible deal. Um, the, the Colts robbed us. Um, they went in, took our starting quarterback, gave us some change they found in their pocket. Um, it, it really was nothing compared to what we should have got with Carson Wentz. Now, that was a lot of Howie talking. Uh, he, he probably scared a couple teams off of the market because of him saying he wanted a Matthew Stafford type trade. That was just ridiculous. And then weeks before that, he's saying Carson Wentz is like a finger on our hand. Um, it was all ridiculous. This goes back to Howie Roseman. And I know we make episodes and all that about Howie Roseman, but we don't really focus on why is this Howie Roseman's fault? It's Howie Roseman's fault that we're in now deciding if we're going to draft another quarterback sixth overall after drafting a controversy pick at second round Jalen Hurts with that competition. Now you go before that, you have Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. Before that, you had Sam Bradford. This is ridiculous for a franchise that that strives to be good at the quarterback position. <laughs> I, I I agree with you a, a thousand percent. But look, man, the way Carson Wentz played in his attitude that started coming out, you weren't going to get two first round picks. You weren't going to get anything crazy for him. Like, I'm sorry. That was just that was honestly just a dream. Listen, there's, gonna- the, see, and Tanner, there's going to be a day that comes. Uh, when we don't have to talk about Carson Wentz anymore. Yeah, and uh, I know it's going to be two years down the road, and we're going to be like, oh, remember that Carson Wentz trade? We got fleeced, blah, blah, blah. Or it's going to turn into, wow, man, Carson Wentz sucks now in, in Indianapolis. You know, how, how great of a trade was that to get him out of town? And maybe we're talking about Jalen Hurts being in the next top 10 quarterback in the league. Maybe we're talking about Jalen Hurts being in a different uniform just four months from now. Who knows? That's the fun about all this, and we'll see what happens. A lot goes into it. A lot could happen. A lot of speculation. 
Uh, again, we'll be here to cover it all with you. So I appreciate you guys tuning in the Philly Experience Podcast. See you with that. We shut it down. You guys miss any of this episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. Available on all major downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the entire Shabazz. And look, um, fellas, I'm not I'm not going to get into y'all about it. Like, you, you just weren't going to get a whole lot for Carson Wentz. You just weren't. I'm sorry. On that note, team, make sure you check us out on Instagram at the Philly Experience Podcast and on Twitter at the Philly EXP1 and T. I don't even have to say it. The amount of stuff we invested in this guy, we should have gotten more back. That's all I got to say. We're going to get it. Crap ass Vargas. Because that guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Do we know it's hard?